Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. And speaking of sexy bodies, today's radio podcast is all about debunking sexual myths. And what's the great secret to great sex? The answer might surprise you, according to our guest today. New York City sex therapist Stephen Snyder, Snyder, MD, it's a certain kind of selfishness. Deep down inside, most of us want desperately to be enjoyed by someone who knows how. Sexual intimacy is a great part of feeling both whole and healthy. And here at Modern Love, We want you to be healthy and whole, so we're going to get right into that conversation about good sex and how to have more of it. But first, I want you to know that every single month, you can join us live on the second Saturday of the month as a rule here in our Modern Love Academy, and coming up on March 10th, we have a full day training You think sex is an issue in relationships. We're going to talk about the other big challenge, and that's money. So join us for March 10th, Love and Money, What's Love Got to Do With It? And our special guests will be in town with us. We'll tell you more about that later. But go to eventbrite.com and just follow the link and register yourself for the March 10th Love and Money training. Now, let's do our Dear Dr. Brenda question. It says, Dear Dr. Brenda, I'm 34. I've been married to my husband, who's great and a provider for seven years. We have three beautiful children, lovely home. We look like the perfect couple. Our problem is my husband seems intimidated by my sexuality. In the past, I've told my husband what pleases me. My comments made him feel inadequate, and he's completely given up. We haven't had sex in, yikes, two years He says he'd rather pleasure himself so he doesn't have to worry that he isn't doing it right. Is there anything I can do to make my husband try again? Waiting more in Birmingham. Listen, Birmingham, you may have made one of the classic, classic errors, which is in making what you thought was a request, it could have crossed the line and come off. As criticism, there's a skill to making a request, and we do a thing here called a soft open where you say gee i really love the way you touch me when you touch my breast or when you touch my hair or my shoulder it makes me feel really special it turns me on and could you give me more of this whatever it is you're asking for because that adds to my pleasure i love making love with you because i love you now that's a soft open a request and a soft close. Got that, Birmingham? 
Work on that communication. It could get you more of what you want. Now, let me tell you a bit more about our guest. Most sex advice these days boils down to giving your partner pleasure. But according to our guest, Dr. Steven Snyder, it's much more important to make sure your partner enjoys you. Great lovemaking, says Dr. Snyder, is as much or actually much more about well, I'm going to get that sentence right, you guys. Hang on. It's more than just pleasure that makes it great. It's about making you feel special in a sexual encounter. So special you don't care if you get another orgasm or not. Dr. Snyder's been featured on NBC's Today Show and Newsweek, many other publications. He contributes to the Huffington Post, Psych Today, and is the author of Love Worth Making how to have ridiculously great sex in a long-lasting relationship. And I'll tell you now, his website is sexualityresource.com, sexualityresource.com. Welcome to the show, Dr. Snyder. Dr. Brenda, thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor. Oh, my goodness. It's a, dare I say, a pleasure to have you with (laughs) us. You know, there's no way to not pun when we're talking about sex. Yeah, I know. It's an occupational hazard. (laughs) <laughs> well, speaking of occupation and hazard, tell us a bit about you. How did you get interested in making sexuality your specialty? Yeah, I always get asked that, and the short answer is, why would anybody else? Why would anybody do anything else for a living? I mean, you know, this is just the most fun thing in the world. You <laughs> talk dirty and make people happy. It's the best. <clears throat> oh, that is a really good answer. We'll sign on. Well, you know, so, it's, it's it's one of the happier parts of uh, medicine and especially psychiatry. And it's also one of the places where you can make people immediately feel better in a very dramatic way because most people, if they're suffering from a sexual problem like the person in Birmingham, chances are not only feeling deprived um, but also kind of feeling kind of bad about themselves and about their marriage. And people tend to feel rather, uh, rather, rather demoralized when they have sexual problems. And if you can help with somebody, you can give them a sense of hope. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I, I always find that inspiring. Wow. So tell us a little bit about what would you say to Birmingham? Because okay. I zeroed in on what I find with a lot of the couples I'm working with in our trainings. It's a question of communicating their needs, and they mm-hmm. end up, coming off critical and like they're putting the other person down. In fact, I was working with a couple yesterday, and this was exactly the problem. Mm -hmm. The wife was extremely critical without meaning to be. Yeah, it's a very big puzzle. Here's where I would start. I I, I love what you say about the soft open, and I've I've learned that from you, and I've used it many, many times. Um, And basically when you're talking about sex, you're talking about a part of the mind which is extremely vulnerable, uh, it doesn't have much coping capacity, easily gets its feelings hurt. That's true for both genders. Mm-hmm. I think, though, that with men, you're talking about something very, very particular, which I do get into in the book, which is that most men feel that they're at a disadvantage in a sexual relationship. <clears throat> Here's why. The man, unless he's very young and very passionate, has one... Uh, 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 how much language can I use on this show? You can, can I... use language. Okay, good. It's San Francisco. You know, I, that's great. Um, he has one erection. Mm-hmm. He has one ejaculation. You know, most guys after the age of about 35, you know, they don't really have that much more in them. 
She has no such limitations. She's a renewable resource. He's an exhaustible resource. And most men are keenly, keenly aware of this. And they're always worried that their female partner is capable of much more passion than they can bring them to. You with me so far? I am with you 100%. And one of the things, you know, we have a lot of same-gender couples. Yay, we finally have same-gender marriage equality or almost equality. Mm -hmm. So would this be true also if it's a gay couple or lesbian couple? No, no, that's the advantage that uh, gay and lesbian couples have is they tend to be on the same page. Um, Two lesbian couples both have that kind of unlimited supply. They could go at it for hours uh, like a woman technically is capable of. And uh, gay male couples, they have the same issues that that others, except they don't have anybody who they know has an unlimited supply. So they, they have a big advantage there. Good. Congratulations to all of our same-gender couples. You have an advantage at last because you deserve one after all the garbage you put up with. Exactly. Lots of advantages. Um, In many ways, heterosexual couples are the most problematic because uh, they're, they're really kind of mismatched in many, many ways. Or as one of my friends says, we're in a mixed marriage. It has a man and a woman in it. Totally. Totally. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a thing. And men feel they're at a disadvantage. So if a woman expresses something that she'd like, many men, not all, but many men will experience that as a statement that I've just been holding back on you. Really, I'm not really satisfied with our sexual relationship. And that'll touch on a man's sense of insecurity. And here's what will happen. This is really, really key. When that happens, he will withdraw. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, when, he withdraws, when he withdraws, she doesn't understand because she doesn't withdraw. It's not a woman's natural impulse. So she gets a little upset with him. Now, he reads that, and he goes, she's upset with me. Hmm, I better withdraw even some more. And then he withdraws further. She gets more upset with him, and sooner or later they're in this vicious cycle, which in my book I call a sex knot. Each partner's natural reactions tends to tie the knot tighter until after a while she's furious at him, and he's totally withdrawn, and she says, you're just a slug and you never initiate, and, you know, are you a real man? And he says, you're just a B-I-T-C-H, and uh, you don't really appreciate me, all the things I do, and they're in a totally alienated state. Wow. So it's a very common... Yes, yeah. it is common. It is common, and I want to corroborate what you're saying. I've seen that so many times in couples, and you call it the sex not. I call it the no sex zone because okay. everything else, everything else has become inflamed and negative. <clears throat> and this yeah. happens even when people love one another. Exactly. So that's not the question. There's something else that <clears throat> tends to be kind of a bedrock psychological thing with guys. You know how most women need to feel desired in a relationship. Not just want to feel desired, need to feel desired. It's something primal. It's like oxygen. They need to feel desired. Mm -hmm. Most men need to feel welcomed because um, a woman's body is really where sex takes place. The, The woman is the home field advantage. The man is the visiting team. It's all about the woman's body. Her body is the main object of attention. Yeah. Yeah, men know that. It. Men know that. And a man needs to know that as the visitor, he's welcome. 
and there's a certain smile that a man looks for, which has been on the face of every Playboy Playmate centerfold since the beginning of, of, of the magazine, which is this warm, ear-to-ear, welcoming smile that says, oh, I'm so happy to see you, so glad you're here. And for a guy, that just makes him happy and lets him know it's safe to come in. All right. So what does it take for a woman to feel safe? We're getting, you know, from a masculine perspective, men need to feel welcomed. Absolutely makes sense. Mm-hmm. What about for a woman to feel safe sexually and to open up? Because I, I have so many women, women who shut down because they don't feel they're getting what they need yeah, from no, a women, male partner. Women need to feel desired. That's just it seems to be just the vitamin D. They they just need to feel that. They need to know that he wants to have his hands on them, that he's hungry for them. You know, for a lot of women it's like having good shower pressure and the water pressure in the shower. Yeah. Um, they may not want now, to shower all the time. One other side of it, one other side but I I need to put this on the table is yeah, I hear this all the time when I'm working. And this is true by the way for same gender couples as well as heterosexual couples. Most women do not feel happy or turned on if they don't feel happy and cared for in the relationship and then feeling desired after that. I understand. I think there's a lot to that. Um, The way I hear it from my women in my practice is they want to feel desired as a whole woman. Mm -hmm. They don't just want to feel desired as a body part. There you go. And I think that's Good. where the happy and care for it comes yeah, from. Yeah, I have a, a friend, Dr. Gwendolyn Goldsby-Grant, who uh, wrote for Essence Magazine the sex column for years while I, oh. I wrote the relationship column, and she well, would say, women are not a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Exactly. Where you exactly. go in for thighs and breasts or legs. Exactly. We so, are whole beings. Exactly. So in, one of the things in, in my book is, is I, I distinguish between two terms that often get mixed up in men's heads. The one is grabbing and the other is groping. Now, mm. we're obviously in an era where both of those have a lot of bad meanings if it's unwanted. But in a loving relationship where a woman values a man, very often a woman will value feeling, quote, grabbed by the man if the time is right. She hates, though, feeling groped. And the difference as I've learned from my female colleagues, is grabbed. You feel grabbed as a whole woman. You feel groped, it's a body part. Mm, Good distinction. So one of the things you also talk about in your book is when you touch your partner's body, not to think about pleasing your partner. So talk about that. I always ask there's something counterintuitive about this. Yeah, I always ask guys in my practice, when you touch your partner's breast, are you doing it for her pleasure or for yours. And they always say, well, for her pleasure. I go, oh, yeah, yeah, nudnik. No, for your pleasure. Because if you're touching for her pleasure, first of all, it doesn't feel passionate to her. It feels like it's got a goal. The goal is to turn her on or get her wet so she's ready. That's no good. No woman wants that. She doesn't want to be treated like a, a machine that's just being started up. Mm-hmm. And the second is it makes a demand on her to appreciate and to enjoy it. And that's not sexy for most women, that demand that they enjoy it. Am I doing it right? Am I getting it right? As I always say, no hero in a romance novel ever rips the heroine's clothes off and then says, now tell me how you like to be touched. Right, exactly. So it's what about, a woman usually I want appreciates to is, yeah. is, is, is passion. And so if now a woman you also feels, say passion yeah, is selfish. Absolutely. Passion is always selfish. If you can imagine two lovers 
one who wants to give you the most wonderful experience in the world and the other who is just so intoxicated by your body that they can't get enough of it selfishly, almost everybody would choose the second lover. Because choose there's the some selfish one as opposed to the one who just wants to please. Absolutely. And the, the amazing thing is this flies in the face of almost all sex advice that's been given these days. Mm-hmm, they all true. talk about, you know, nine ways to knock his socks off in bed or that kind of garbage or how to drive her wild so she'll love you for it. And it's garbage. It leads to a lot of very boring sex. <laughs> okay. So instead of trying to please the other person, the focus needs to be on showing just how passionately attracted you are, how passionately turned on you are by the other person. Um, I would put it a little differently. Okay. I would put authentically and sincerely enjoying the other person. I like that much better. Because we love authenticity here at Modern Love. Being authentic is what it's all about. Absolutely. I'm going to just quote something you said in the book. You said, deep down, what we all really want is we want to be consumed. We want to be enjoyed. Absolutely. And that's the principle we're talking about. So what about making requests, like the couple or the woman that wrote in from Birmingham? Yeah. I've got, you know, I, I like your, I like your script. I would uh, give a, a, an alternate script so that uh, whoever it is in Birmingham can choose between the two of them. My script, uh, perhaps a, a, a little more, a uh, little more edgy, a little more tricky. Um, my script would be the image that I usually convey to a, a patient is they're on a tour of a beautiful foreign capital, and they're on the tourist bus. And they're doing all the tourist bussy things. They're seeing the Mona Lisa and the Eiffel Tower and everything. And then about the sixth or seventh day, somebody comes up behind them in the cafe and goes, you know, you want, to show, you want me to show you the places where they don't show the tourists? So the analogy here is when you get together with somebody sexually, you're on the tourist bus. You're seeing all the conventionally good sights. And you're enjoying that, and it's the first time with somebody, and wow, and it's amazing, and I love seeing this person naked for the first time because I've wanted to do that for so long and so forth. And then at a certain point, a useful line might be, you know, I'm very, very happy with you, like you said, the soft open. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's a secret that I've never told anybody. Would it be okay if I told you the secret? And now the guy feels privileged. She's so happy with him that she's going to show him the places that they don't show the tourists. <laughs> what I really love is when you go down between my legs and just blow warm air on me like that. Oh, that drives me crazy. I've never told anybody that, but I've always wanted to. Great. That is a great script. Because okay, good. now like you're you building... It. You're building a deeper intimacy because I love that because the approach there is not only are you welcome, I'm going to give you the key to the kingdom. (laughs) Totally, totally, totally. Terrific. So you're saying that most people crave good sex because sex is a narcissistically gratifying experience. What do you mean by that? Well, narcissistically gratifying, I'm talking about 
healthy narcissism. You know, we talk a lot these days about pathological narcissism. I don't know why. What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's not go there. We're not going to go there. um, That's another show. It's it's been done. Um, But uh, healthy narcissism is a, a, a good sense of deserving good things. I mean, we all know people who are lacking in healthy narcissism. They can't really stand up for what they need and want, and that's not a pretty sight. Healthy narcissism is what an infant has when it cries because it's hungry. It says, my needs are important, and I want them met. And now. And now. And now. And that's one of the attributes of sexual arousal, is it makes us regress to a more infantile level where our healthy narcissism is more immediately on display. We may be very, feel very close to our partner, but you know what? We're, we don't really want to hear all the details about how their day went. We don't want to hear about their troubles with their boss if we're really aroused. We just want them to just like make nice noises and tell, her, tell us that we're the most wonderful person in the world. And that's normal. As a matter of fact, that's an attribute of an aroused mind. If you're not feeling that primitive sense of, I don't give a darn about anything other than my partner's body at the moment, then you're not really aroused. So we want people to get into that narcissistically regressed state, that very, very selfish state. So Hmm. does that answer your question? That's interesting because that is the opposite of most sexual advice which says, Focus on pleasing your partner. Exactly. And most sexual and advice. And you're I think saying, nope, let's just get into you go wild because if you go wild, they go wild. <laughs> One could put it that way. I put it a little bit differently. I would say <clears throat> regress to that place where you really live, that place where you started from. It's like a salmon swimming up to the pond where it was spawned, um, that place where it exists in the first form in mother-infant interactions, and I give some examples of this in the book, where there people, there's a feeling of fusion. There's only room for two. There's exclusive. There's a sense of I am yours and you are mine. Now, most sex advice teaches you how to be a mature sexual adult. My book teaches you how to be a ruthless sexual child. And I think that's what's mostly missing is is that childlike aspect. Well, that would be a heck of a lot more fun if people were more childlike in the best sense. And the, the best, best sense of the word. Really the playing and letting go. Yeah, I discovered so, this, by the way. Yeah. Can I? May I? Sure, go right ahead. I discovered this, by the way, when I was 16 years old, although I didn't know what I was discovering at the time. I was uh, hanging out with my girlfriend at the time. It was one afternoon, school day. And... Uh, I was supposed to pick up my brother from school, my younger brother. I was a pretty responsible kid. I completely forgot, completely forgot I had to pick up my brother. And I thought to myself, something's funny, funky happened this afternoon. And, you know, later when I became a doctor and so forth, I realized I was aroused. Mm. That's what arousal does. It makes us forget our responsibilities. We don't really care about anything. Okay, so you're saying that's a good thing when it comes to having great sex. Be so aroused, you're going to forget everything else except this wonderful, intoxicating feeling and sharing that with your partner. I would say it's the essence of good sex. The essence of good sex is to become really, really oblivious. Um, At the beginning of the book, I talk about being on a subway train 
and there's a couple that looks like they're getting aroused together, standing up and not doing anything improper. They've got their clothes on, but it's clear that they're getting into something, and it looks like they're going to miss their stop. And then every, all the adults on the train are looking at this couple, and I think, you know, I think we're all going to miss our stops. Ah. That's what sex does. It makes you miss your stops. It makes you miss your stops. I love that. So we just have a few minutes left. What is the advice you want to leave us with? Now, everyone, let me give you Dr. Snyder's website and the name of the book again because I want you, you know, we believe in books and reading here, and I love it if you go to an old-fashioned bookstore and get it. The title is Love Worth Making. How to Have Ridiculously Great Sex in a Long-Lasting Relationship. And it's by Dr. Steven Snyder, and his website is sexualityresource.com. Actually, that's my, a- main, my main website. May I interrupt for a second? Yeah. Yeah, my, my book website, it's a lot quicker, is loveworthmaking.com. Loveworthmaking.com. Go there, everybody, loveworthmaking.com. So leave us with your last bit of just spot-on sexual advice okay um don't assess how aroused you are by whether you're hard or wet assess how aroused you are by how much iq points you've lost (laughs) if you really got really really stupid that's a good sign that you were where you really needed to be and that's where you get really nourished that is wonderful because it's in that kind of sexual ecstasy. Yeah. In the Far East culture, they talk about tantric sex uh-huh. because it's this sexual ecstasy that actually unleashes spiritual power and gives us an ecstatic spiritual experience. So thank you so much, You're Dr. Very, very Snyder. Welcome. Pleasure, dare I say once again, <laughs> having you as yes. our guest today. And really debunking sexual myths and opening up more space for us to have more fun and more freedom with our sexuality. And everybody, you know me, I love to put the spiritual in there. Have a spiritual experience where you are so blissed out, you actually experience God. So how's that for a challenge? Okay, so be with you next week for another great show here on Modern Love. Big thank you to our executive producer, Mr. LeGrand Green, our associate producer, Mr. Cliff Dunning, to our sponsor, Rainbow Grocery, and to all of you modern lovers. Go wild, go crazy, lose your IQ points this week. (laughs) Blessings.